0: Chapter five, verses one to five.
1: And all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron, and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be a prince over them. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned for 40 years at Hebron he reigned over Judah 7 years and 6 months and at Jerusalem he reigned over all of Israel and Judah for 33 years
0: okay I mean finally you know he becomes king over all Israel obviously as we have continued to say success is not always immediate. And sometimes overcoming obstacles and difficulties enhances our character, it grows us, it strengthens us. And so now finally, all the tribes of Israel come to David and said, you know, you're one of us. And the Lord said, they used the same line that Abner had, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be a ruler over Israel, so now we want you to be our king too. And they anoint David as king over Israel. Now, I, th- I would say the same thing about what they're doing that I did about what Abner did, they're using this, that that is the will of God, that's a secondary matter they yielded to the will of God only when it fit their idea of what was best if they had cared that much about what God said, they would have submitted to David seven and a half years before or maybe before that um, so uh, but but they don't have a better option right now I mean, you know when when Ishbosheth dies, there's no government in the north. There's no real defense. I mean, you have to think about this. You know, this is not in a vacuum here that they are uh, seeking David to be their king. you got the Philistine aggression on their doorstep. They need David to be their king. They need somebody to defend them. Who better than David? He's had a lot of success with the Philistines. So, you know, I think I think when you consider the pro- political realities of the situation, they need David as much as David needs them, and they're asking David now to be their king. Finally, they've submitted to that. And David becomes king over all Israel, the north and the south. Comments and thoughts on these five
1: verses? Verse 1, it's interesting how they say, are uh, bone and your flesh, I guess they're just... Saying that you know we're all unified now, we're going to come together and work together. You're our king.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're yeah. We're, we're one. We're we're all fellow Jews, basically. I think. D- yeah. Do you know anything specifically, uh,
2: or is there a passage of reference about what kind of covenant they would make with these elders and with and with um, with Israel here, or is that just kind of generic?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, other than they're going to submit to David, he's going to be their king. I, I don't know more than that of somebody. Other comments or questions? Patrick.
2: You know, I think it's interesting. You know, it talks about how all the tribes came to David, wanting him to be king. It was all Israel who wanted Saul to be king. And, you know, it just seems like these people... You know, they just continually just try to satiate and satisfy what they want instead of really trying to seek out what's best, what the Lord wants. We're, we are too small and too foolish to use God's will to our own benefit, to our own benefit.
0: Yeah, amen. Brian? I
2: think really the underlying problem here is that while well, you know David was an after God's own heart, they were still seeking an earthly king and they had forgotten all along that god was there that was their real king their real leader and so and that's pretty much the cause of all of these problems
0: good point yeah excellent observation other thoughts well i mean what's david going to do now as king you know that really you know we have been for a long time, the last half of First Samuel, and these chapters in Second Samuel, on this narrative of David's rise to kingship. And now we have the development of the kingdom itself, now that David is the king over the united Israel. So would somebody read <laughs> 6 to 10? Now the king
2: and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. And they said to David, you shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul Uh, through through the water tongue, Therefore they say, the blind or the lame shall not come into the house. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around it from, from the middle and inward. Uh, David became greater and greater, for
0: the Lord God, the Lord God of Paul was with him. So what does David and his men do here? For right. a kingly city. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he chooses Jerusalem. Interesting choice. What were the advantages of choosing Jerusalem? In the middle. I think that's a very important advantage. It's in the middle. It, it's right in between the north and the south. As we've suggested already, I think there were, you know, there was bad blood between north and south. There was kind of that division already. Choosing this middle city, which side, north or south, had controlled the city up to this point? Benjamin. Neither. Why do you say neither? Because you had to conquer it from the Jebusites. The Jebusites controlled it, so neither north nor south had controlled it. Reminds you of the choice of Washington, D.C., which was for very much the same reasons. Kind of getting a right in the middle between the north and the south because in the U.S. history there were already tensions and divisions between the north and the south long before the Civil War. And uh, so you get this neutral city, Jebusite city on the border. There's another, I think advantage to choosing Jerusalem, Evan.
2: Strategically, it's on a mountain and it has water.
0: Why is it uh, important to be on a mountain?
2: enemy has to come up, and militarily you're always at an advantage fighting from the the higher point.
0: And and the fact that it had remained until this point under Jebusite control may indicate it was very difficult to capture. Not that they hadn't captured it and let the Jebusites back in if you read Judges chapter 1, but they let them back in and not gotten them out after that. So it was, it was virtually impregnable. It was a very easy city to defend. It's just a lot of advantages uh, to choosing Jerusalem. Um, kind of a stroke of genius, perhaps, but there's one problem. The Israelites don't own it. Uh, it's a Jebusite city. And what's the Jebusite's attitude about defending their city? Our weakest can warn you off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, don't even try it. Yeah, we we can just have blind and lame soldiers, and that's all it would take to beat you guys. What does that what does that sound like to you?
1: Pride.
0: Yeah, pride. pride over yeah, I hope die. Pride goes before destruction. Is what I'm thinking about. I mean, wow. You know, we don't even have to have healthy, powerful warriors. We'll just you know put a uh, regiment of blind and lame ones, and they'll beat you. But overconfidence often precedes. A fall. David apparently uh, orchestrates a surprise attack He goes in through the water tunnel and uh, conquers it. <laughs> and so, so this becomes his capital city. I would say, in terms of human cities, by far the most important city in the Bible. Much more attention given, certainly just from this point on. But from this point on, Jerusalem's it, in many ways. And it becomes the city where God has chosen for his name to dwell, which is very significant. And, in verse 10, David becomes greater and greater, for the Lord God of hosts was with him. An important statement. You know, this is really toning down the emphasis on human achievement, and showing that God's the source of David's strength. Comments and questions.
1: Was Jerusalem part
2: of what the Israelites were su- originally supposed to conquer yes. in Joshua?
0: Yes. Right.
2: I made be but did uh, Othniel or somebody try to conquer this or even conquer it initially right after the Joshua campaigns? And then I guess the to took over after that?
0: That is correct, uh, not Othniel. But in Judges chapter 1 and uh, let's see, I'll have to figure out which... Uh, 1-8, right? Yeah. The sons of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. <laughs> However, verse 21 of Judges 1, but the sons of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem, so the Jebusites had lived with the sons of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Looks to me like Judah conquered it and the Benjamites let the Jebusites back in to run it. <laughs> That's what it looks to me like. Can you explain this proverb kind of thing that they come up
1: with in verse 8? Uh, you know
2: they, they have this thing about the blind and lame and it says oh you know go kill those blind and lame people and, but then they come
0: up with some kind of proper proverb yeah I don't know exactly somebody may do better than that uh, than I would with this uh, but I mean you, do you mean the first part or the last part of mercy uh,
2: I'm looking at the last part the first part I think makes sense
0: to okay. me well I mean I think yeah okay I, I don't have a good answer does somebody have one?
1: Uh, Alec? I think it's just more of a taunt from the first. Yeah, I don't think he's literally saying, go kill the lame and the blind. Yeah, I think he's just taunting them. That's yeah. what they said originally. So you
0: just need the lame and the blind. But, you know, maybe something like that.
1: Are, are you talking about
2: the part where it says the blind and the lame shall not come into the house? Yes. I think that became a, a law. I They don't allow the lame and the blind inside the temple in the,
0: in the New Testament. Okay. Wouldn't allow the lame anyway, maybe the blind too, they're good. Right, but how would that have anything to do with this?
2: I mean I understand the law, yeah, but this part doesn't make sense. I'm looking for an answer. Wasn't that already the law in the
1: tabernacle? Yeah, you couldn't be deformed and come into it. Well, the, the king of the Jebusites had just said, My weakest soldiers can take you, and then now David takes it over and he says your weakest people are going to be totally out of here. They're, they're not going to be in here at all. Okay. So he well, could be talking about the, their gods too. I don't know. Interesting. Beth?
2: Perhaps just pride, and like it's just extending that a little bit longer. The proud are not going to be able to obtain victory like we did. You know, we entered your house, but your layman's line will not be able to.
0: Okay, that that's a good thought. That was a good statement. I appreciate the uh, suggestions. are very good uh, thoughts. Very helpful. You know. There's nothing like studying with a group of a hundred and some people who've been reading 2 Samuel a lot to make you realize there's a whole lot of things you would never had thought about in a passage. It's really helpful. It's so good to have open exchange like this, and especially to have people who've really been studying the book, and really been studying the Bible for that matter, because everybody sees something different, and everybody questions something different, so we can really learn a lot together. Appreciate that a lot. Ethan.
1: I have a note here that says um, that perhaps the um, blind and the lame will not enter refers to they're not allowed to enter into the royal palace although they're allowed to stay within the city walls.
0: Okay. Lots of ideas. Dave.
2: Is there significance then when Jesus comes that he heals the blind and (laughs)
0: lame? Maybe so. Certainly in Jesus' kingdom blindness and lameness physically would not be a, a barrier. Isaiah 56 talks about the foreigners and the eunuchs will be b- welcomed in God's fellowship. So maybe so. Anything else? Okay, how about uh, 11 to 16?
2: and Hiram King of Tyre sent messengers to David with cedar trees and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built the house for David. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and that he exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Meanwhile, David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who were
0: born to him in Jerusalem. The end. (laughs) Yeah, there you have it. Uh, Solomon might be interesting. The rest of them, uh, your guess, is as good as mine. Nathan, by the way, is mentioned in uh, Zechariah 12. You might notice that David had a son named Nathan. That is significant. Uh, the others maybe not. Uh, something, some names we're going to come across too often in the Bible. But Hiram uh, provides the material for David to have a palace. And again, David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Continued emphasis on this is the Lord's hand. David takes more concubines and wives. Again, remember the prohibition against kings multiplying wives in Deuteronomy 17, even though there might not have been a specific prohibition against polygamy as a whole in the Old Testament, though there's certainly some things that would indicate it's not a good idea, there was a prohibition on the kings multiplying wives, and that seems to be what David's doing, though he was way overshadowed by his son in that, but uh, he, he had way more wives than one
1: comments? Yeah, Eric. This makes me think of Genesis 12, 1-3 when God said to Abraham that I'm going to bless those who bless you. And here David has been blessing his people. He's not been killing them. He's been being good to them and God has been blessing him through that. So he's up his promises to Abraham. Very good. better
0: uh, I don't know if I'm seeing it right but I see, more of, I, I see a little bit of selfishness in David. Like you have at the end of verse 12 God is increasing Judah for his people's sake. And then in verse, the beginning of verse, uh, verse 13, okay, and David is getting all these concubines. So it's kind of like, God is trying to help the people. And David sees that, so he's trying to help himself by seeing, by taking these wives for himself. So it's kind of, well, Israel is getting what they asked for. A king, just like the nations around him, a king that just focuses on himself once he sees this nation growing. Kings like to take. Yeah. What's the
2: difference between a wife and a concubine?
0: Well, uh, concubines seem to be junior wives, but I don't know. (laughs) You know, somebody got a definitive answer on that. I don't know that I can say that. They're basically slave wives. Slave wives.
1: The reference in my Bible says uh, they're wives who didn't have legal um, rights of a true wife. I guess it has something to do with. It's just something about right legal rights, whatever that is. Okay, Jacob. Is Hiram just like a term for the king? Because you have Hiram, like in First Kings, helping Solomon
0: build the temple, and that was a long time after. Yeah, Hiram seems to last a long while, and (laughs) so you know, I don't know. It's possible it's the same Hiram. It's possible there was Hiram one, Hiram two, and so forth. It's possible that Hiram means the king of Tyre. So, again, I thought about that today, even. I don't know if we have an answer to that. Does somebody know if we have a specific answer on that one? I think there is some debate about whether this would be the same Hiram. Possibly, but. Good question.
2: does not it say specifically in First Kings that
0: King Hiram was friends and had an alliance with David? Yes, it does. Wouldn't necessarily mean the same King Hiram. It is a long time for Hiram, but not out of the question. So, yeah, but it does say that. Okay. um, Let's uh, do 17 to 25, and then we'll work on taking a longer break for some things.
1: When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel... All the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went out to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim and David defeated them there, and he said, The Lord has burst through my enemies before me like a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and the men (laughs) carried them away. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up. Go around to their rear, and come against them uh, opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself. For then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him, and struck down the Philistines from Geba to Gizir.
0: Wasn't good news from a Philistine perspective that David is now king over all Israel. And so they uh, uh, get together to attack. And uh, David does the right thing. What does he do? Inquires, Inquires of the Lord and says, will you give them into my hand? Shall I go up? Will you give them into my Yes, go up. I will give them into your hand. And so David does. He defeats them. Verse 20 Uh, And verse 21, he carries their idols away. Remember when the Philistines carried the Ark of the Covenant away. This may be kind of a reverse kind of a thing. They carry their idols away, uh, maybe to some extent as trophies of war, or at least to destroy them, uh, perhaps. And then the Philistines come again. You know, the Philistines do not want a strong central government in Israel. Israel's their nearest neighbor. You want Israel divided, if at all possible. So they're trying to attack while David is still in the infancy of his kingship over the whole kingdom. And David inquired of the Lord again. Now it's interesting that David inquired of the Lord again. Because it would be easy to take for granted what the will of the Lord was. It was the last time. Why wouldn't it be again? You know, sometimes we'll do that. Sometimes we'll investigate only to a certain point, And then we'll assume we know it after that. But that is not necessarily the case, was not the case in this case. Because he said, don't go up, go around, go behind them. This time, here's what you need to do, and I'll strike the army of the Philistines. And David did so, and God did so. So we need to constantly seek the will of the Lord, and not just assume that we already know what he expects. (laughs) Maybe we do, on the other hand, maybe we don't, as we did not in this case. All right, comments and thoughts on all of this. <clears throat> Chris.
2: Some of the uh, Philistines might have been quite surprised to learn that David was the king of Israel, wouldn't they? And, hadn't he, <laughs> and he just recently <laughs> been on their side?
0: Quite a, uh, quite a reverse field from their perspective. And again,
2: some of the commanders of the Philistines would have been saying, see, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Poor
0: Achish.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: he may have got an egg on his face here. Other questions, comments? You said
1: the name Baal was translated to Bochef. Why was it not in this case, Baal? It
0: is not always. Um, uh, This is a place name. I don't know if that makes any difference, but it isn't always even in connection with those names. Uh, It is often. So it's just just a matter of of re-saying. You say it differently. It's almost like, do you know how how it happens uh, Bethel means house of God, but because Jeroboam put the golden calf at Bethel, some of the prophets don't call it Bethel house of God, they call it beth house of emptiness. (laughs) You know, they don't always do that, it's Bethel still, but sometimes they'll do that to just indicate how they view the abomination of the golden calf at Bethel. Questions, comments?
2: How far
0: was uh, Yiba from Yizr? I don't know the answer to that. Anybody know that? Bible geography is not my strong suit. All right. Well, uh, very good to, uh, to study this today.